A reading of the book, Grace Abounding, to the Chief of Sinners, by John Bunyan, published by the Evangelical Press in 1978. Chapter 1 Bunyan's Life In this my relation of the merciful working of God upon my soul, it will not be amiss if in the first place I do, in a few words, give you a hint of my pedigree and manner of bringing up, that thereby the goodness and bounty of God towards me may be the more advanced and magnified before the sons of men. For my descent then, it was, as is well known by many, of a low and inconsiderable generation, my father's house being that rank that is meanest and most despised of all the families in the land. Wherefore I have not here as others to boast of noble blood or of any high-born state according to the flesh, though, all things considered, I magnify the heavenly majesty for that by this door he brought me into this world to partake of the grace and life that is in Christ by the gospel. But yet, Notwithstanding the meanness and inconsiderableness of my parents, it pleased God to put it into their hearts to put me to school, to learn me both to read and write, the which I also attained according to the rate of other men's children, though to my shame I confess I did soon lose that little I learned even almost utterly, and that long before the Lord did work his gracious work of conversion upon my soul. As for my own natural life, for the time that I was without God in the world, it was indeed according to the course of this world, and the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It was my delight to be taken captive by the devil at his will. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Being filled with all unrighteousness, the which did also so strongly work and put forth itself both in my heart and life, and that from a child that I had few equals, especially considering my years, which were tender, for cursing, swearing, lying, and blaspheming the holy name of God. Yea, so settled and rooted was I in these things, that they became as a second nature to me, the which, as I have also with soberness considered since, did so offend the Lord that even in my childhood he did scare 
and affrighten me with fearful dreams and did terrify me with fearful visions. For often, after I had spent this and the other day in sin, I have been in my bed, greatly afflicted while asleep, with the apprehensions of devils and wicked spirits, who still, as I then thought, labor to draw me away with them, of which I could never be rid. Also, I would at these years be greatly afflicted and troubled with the thoughts of the fearful torments of hell fire, still fearing that it would be my lot to be found at last among the, those devils and hellish fiends who are there bound down with the chains and bonds of darkness into the judgment of the great day. These things, I say, when I was but a child, but nine or ten years old, did so distress my soul that then, in the midst of my many sports and childish vanities, amid my feigned companions, I was often much cast down and afflicted in my mind therewith. Yet could I not let go of my sins. Yea, I was also then so overcome with the despair of life in heaven that I would often wish either that there had been no hell or that I had been a devil. Supposing devils were only tormentors, that if it must needs be that I went thither, I might be rather a tormentor than to be tormented myself. A while after those terrible dreams did leave me, which I also soon forgot, for my pleasures did quickly cut off the remembrance of them, as if they never had been. Wherefore, with more greediness, according to the, to the strength of nature, I still let loose the reins of my lust, and delighted in all transgressions against the law of God, so that until I came to the state of marriage, I was the very ringleader of all the youth that kept me company, in all manner of vice and ungodliness. Yea, such prevalency had the lusts and fruits of the flesh on this poor soul of mine that had not a miracle of precious grace prevented. I had not only perished by the stroke of eternal justice, but had also laid myself open even to the stroke of those laws which bring some to disgrace and open shame before the face of the world. In those days the thoughts of religion were very grievous to me. I could neither endure it myself, nor that any other should, so that when I have seen some read in those books that concerned Christian piety, it would be as it were a prison to me. Then I said unto God, Depart from me, 
for I desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Job chapter 21 verses 14 and 15 I was now void of all good consideration. Heaven and hell were both out of sight and mind. And as for saving and damning, they were least in my thoughts. O Lord, Thou knowest my life and my ways were not hid from Thee. But this I will remember, that though I could myself sin with the greatest delight and ease, and also take pleasure in the vileness of my companions, yet, even then, if I had at any time seen wicked things in those who professed goodness, it would make my spirit tremble. As once above all the rest, when I was in the height of vanity, yet hearing one swear that was reckoned for a religious man, it had so great a stroke upon my spirit that it made my heart ache. God did not utterly leave me, but followed me still, not with convictions, but judgments, yet such as were mixed with mercy. For once I fell into a creek of the sea and hardly escaped drowning. Another time I fell out of a boat into Bedford River, but mercy yet preserved me alive. Besides, another time, being in the field with one of my companions, it chanced that an adder passed over the highway. So I, having a stick in my hand, struck her over the back, and having stunned her, I forced open her mouth with my stick and plucked out her sting with my fingers. By which act, had not God been merciful unto me, I might by my desperateness have brought myself to my end. This also have I taken notice of with thanksgiving. When I was a soldier, I with others was drawn out to go to such a place to besiege it. But when I was just ready to go, one of the company desired to go in my room, to which when I had consented, he took my place. And coming to the siege, as he stood sentinel, he was shot in the head by a musket ball and died. Here, as I said, were judgments and mercy, but neither of them did awaken my soul to righteousness. Wherefore I sinned still, and grew more and more rebellious against God and careless of my own salvation. Chapter 2 Presently after this I changed my condition into a married state, and my mercy was to light upon a wife whose father was counted godly. This woman and I Though we came together as poor as poor might be, 
not having so much household stuff as a dish or spoon between us both. Yet this she had for her part, the plain man's pathway to heaven and the practice of piety, which her father had left her when he died. In these two books I would sometimes read with her, wherein I also found some things that were somewhat pleasing to me. But all this while I met with no conviction. She also would be off telling me what a godly man her father was, and how would reprove and correct vice, both in his house and among his neighbors, and what a strict and holy life he lived in his days, both in words and deeds. Wherefore these books, with the relation, though they did not reach my heart to awaken it about my sad and sinful state, yet they did beget within me some desires to reform my vicious life and fall in very eagerly with the religion of the times, to wit, to go to church twice a day, and that with, too with the most foremost. And there I would very devoutly both say and sing as others did, yet retaining my wicked life. But withal, I was so overrun with the spirit of superstition that I adored, and that with great devotion, even all things, both the high place, priest, clerk, vestman, service, and what else belonging to the church, counting all things holy that were therein contained, and especially the priest and clerk most happy, and without doubt greatly blessed, because they were the servants as I then thought of God, and were principal in the holy temple to do his work therein. This conceit grew so strong in a little time upon my spirit that had I but seen a priest, though never so sordid and debauched in his life, I should find my spirit fall under him reverence him, and knit unto him. Yea, I thought, for the love I did bear unto them, supposing they were the ministers of God, I could have laid down at their feet, and have been trampled upon by them. Their name, their garb, and work did so intoxicate and bewitch me. After I had been thus for some considerable time, Another thought came into my mind, and that was whether we were of the Israelites or no. For finding in the scriptures that they were once the peculiar people of God, thought I, if I were one of this race, my soul must needs be happy. Now again I found within me a great longing to be resolved about this question, but could not tell how I should. At last I asked my father of it, who told me we were not. 
Wherefore then I fell in my spirit as to the hopes of that, and so remained. But all this, while I was not sensible of the danger and evil of sin, I was kept from considering that sin would damn me. What religion soever I followed, unless I was found in Christ, nay, I never thought of him, nor whether there was such a one or no. Thus man, while blind, doth wonder, but wearieth himself with vanity, for he knoweth not the way to the city of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15 But one day, among all the sermons our parson made, his subject was to treat of the Sabbath day and of the evil of breaking that, either with labor, sports, or otherwise. Now I was, notwithstanding my religion, one that took much delight in all manner of vice, and especially that was the day that I did solace myself therewith. Wherefore I fell in my conscience under this sermon, thinking and believing that he made that sermon on purpose to show me my evil doing. And at that time I felt what guilt was. Though never before that I can remember. But then, I was for the present greatly loaded therewith, and so went home, when the sermon was ended with a great burden upon my spirit. This, for that instant, did benumb the sinews of my best delights and embitter my former pleasures to me. But behold, it lasted not. For before I had well dined, the trouble began to go off my mind and my heart returned to its old course. But, oh, how glad was I that this trouble was gone from me and that the fire was put out that I might sin again without control. Wherefore, when I had satisfied nature with my food, I shook the sermon out of my mind, and to my old custom of sports and gaming I returned with great delight. But the same day, as I was in the midst of a game of cat, and having struck it one blow from the hole, just as I was about to strike it a second time, a voice did suddenly dart from heaven into my soul, which said, Wilt thou leave thy sins and go to heaven, or have thy sins and go to hell? At this I was put to an exceeding maze, wherefore, Leaving my bat upon the ground, I looked up to heaven and was as if I had, with the eyes of my understanding, seen the Lord Jesus looking down upon me as being very hotly displeased with me and as if he did severely threaten me with some grievous punishment for these and other ungodly practices.
I had no sooner thus conceived in my mind, but suddenly this conclusion was fastened upon my spirit. For the former hint did set my sins again before my face, that I had been a great and grievous sinner, and that it was now too late for me to look after heaven. For Christ would not forgive me nor pardon my transgressions. Then I fell to musing on this also, and while I was thinking of it and fearing least it should be so, I felt my heart sink in despair, concluding it was too late. And therefore, I resolved in my mind to go on in sin. For, thought I, if the case be thus, my state is surely miserable. Miserable if I leave my sins, and but miserable if I follow them. I can but be damned, and if it must be so, I had as good be damned for many sins as be damned for few. Thus I stood in the midst of my play before all that then were present. But yet I told them nothing. But, I say, having made this conclusion, I returned desperately to my sport again, and I will remember that presently this kind of despair did so possess my soul that I was persuaded I could neither attain to other comfort than what I should get in sin. For heaven was gone already. So that, on that, I must not think. Wherefore I found within me great desire to take my fill of sin, still studying what sin was yet to be committed, that I might taste the sweetness of it, and I made as much haste as I could to fill my belly with its delicacies, lest I should die before I had my desires. For that I feared greatly. In these things I protest before God I lie not, neither do I frame this sort of speech. These were really, strongly, and with all my heart, my desires. The good Lord, whose mercy is unsearchable, forgive my transgressions. And I am very confident that this temptation of the devil is more usual among poor creatures than many are aware of. Even to overrun the spirits with a seared frame of heart and the numbing of conscience, which frame he stilly and slyly supplieth with such despair, that though no peculiar guilt rested upon them, yet they continually have a secret conclusion within them that there is no hope for them, for they have loved sins. Therefore after them they will go. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 25 Chapter 18 verse 12 now therefore I went on in sin with great greediness of mind, still grudging 
that I could not be satisfied with it as I would. This continued with me about a month or more. But one day, as I was standing at a neighbor's shop window, and there cursing and swearing and playing the madman after my wanted manner, there sat within the woman of the house and heard me, who, though she was a very loose and ungodly wretch, yet protested that I swore and cursed at that most fearful rate that she was made to tremble to hear me, and told me further that I was the ungodliest fellow for swearing that she ever heard in all her life, and that I by thus doing was able to spoil all the youth in the whole town, if they came but in my company. After this reproof I was silenced, and put to secret shame, and that too, as I thought before the God of heaven, Wherefore, while I stood there hanging down my head, I wished with all my heart that I might be a little child again, that my father might learn me to speak without this wicked way of swearing. For, thought I, I am so accustomed to it that it is in vain for me to think of reformation for I thought that could never be. But, how it came to pass, I know not. I did from this time forward so leave my swearing that I was a great wonder to myself to observe it. And whereas before I knew not how to speak, unless I put an oath before and another behind to make my words have authority, now... I could, without an oath, speak better and with more pleasantness than ever I could before. All this while I knew not Jesus Christ. Neither did I leave my sports and plays. But quickly after this I fell into company with one poor man that made a profession of religion, who, as I then thought, did talk pleasantly of the scriptures and of the matter of religion. Wherefore, falling into some love and liking to what he said, I betook me to my Bible and began to take great pleasure in reading, but especially the historical part thereof. For as for Paul's epistles and such like scriptures, I could not away with them being as yet ignorant, both of the corruption of our nature and of the want and worth of Jesus Christ to save us. Wherefore I fell to some outward reformation, both in my words and life, and did set the commandments before me for my way to heaven, which commandments I also did strive to keep and, as I thought, did keep them pretty well sometimes. And then I would have comfort, yet now and then would break one, and so afflict my conscience. But then I would repent, and say I was sorry for it, 
and promise God to do better next time. And there God help again. For then I thought I'd please God as well as any man in England. Thus I continued about a year, all which time our neighbors did take me to be for a very godly man, a new and religious man, and did marvel much to see such great and famous alteration in my life and manners. And indeed so it was, though I knew not Christ, nor grace, nor faith, nor hope. For, as I have well since seen, had I then died, my state would have been most fearful. But I say, my neighbors were amazed at this great conversion, from prodigious provaneness to something like a moral life. And truly so they well might. For this my conversion was as great as for Tom of Bedlam to become a sober man. Now therefore they began to praise, to commend and to speak well of me, both to my face and behind my back. Now I was, as they said, become godly. Now I was become a right honest man. But oh... When I understood those were their words and opinions of me, it pleased me mighty well, for though as yet I was nothing but a poor painted hypocrite, yet I loved to be talked of one that was truly godly. I was proud of my godliness, and indeed I did all I did, either to be seen or to be well spoken of by men. And thus I continued for about a twelve month or more. Chapter 3 Now you must know that before this I had taken much delight in ringing. But my conscience beginning to be tender... I thought such a practice was but vain, and therefore forced myself to leave it. Yet my mind hankered, wherefore I would go to the steeple-house and look on, though I durst not ring. But I thought this did not become religion neither. Yet I forced myself, and I would look on still. But quickly after I began to think, how if one of those bells should fall? Then I chose to stand under a main beam that lay overthwart the steeple from side to side, thinking here I might stand sure. But then I thought again. Should the bell fall with a swing, it might first hit the wall, and then rebounding upon me, might kill me for all this beam. This made me stand in the steeple door. And now, thought I, I am safe enough. For if the bell should fall, I can slip out behind these thick walls, and so be preserved notwithstanding. 
So after this I would yet go to see them ring, but I would not go any further than the steeple door. But then it came into my head, how if the steeple itself should fall? And this thought, it may be for aught I know when I stood and looked on, did continually so shake my mind that I durst not stand at the steeple door any longer, but was forced to flee for fear the steeple should fall upon my head. Another thing was my dancing. I was a full year before I could quite leave that. All this while, when I thought I kept this or that command, or did by word or deed anything I thought was good, I had great peace in my conscience and would think with myself, God cannot choose but now be pleased with me, yea. To relate it in my own way, I thought no man in England could please God better than I. But, poor wretch as I was, I was all this while ignorant of Jesus Christ, and going about to establish mine own righteousness, and had perished therein, had not God in mercy showed me more of my state by nature. But upon a day the good providence of God called me to Bedford to work at my calling, and in one of the streets of that town I came, where there were three or four poor women sitting at the door in the sun talking about the things of God. And being now willing to hear their discourse, I drew near to see what they said, for I was now a brisk talker of myself in the matters of religion. But I may say I heard, but understood not, for they were far above out of my reach. Their talk was about a new birth, the work of God in their hearts as also how they were convinced of their miserable state by nature. They talked how God had visited their souls with his love in the Lord Jesus, and with what words and promises they had been refreshed, comforted, and supported against the temptations of the devil. Moreover, they reasoned of the suggestions and temptations of Satan in particular, and told to each other by what means they had been afflicted, and how they were borne up under his assaults. They also discoursed of their own wretchedness of heart, and of their unbelief, and did contemn, slight, and abhor their own righteousness as filthy, and insufficient to do, to do them any good. And methought they spoke as if joy did make them speak. They spoke with such pleasantness of scripture language, and with such appearance of grace in all they said, that they were to me as if they had found a new world, as if they were people that dwelt alone, 
and were not to be reckoned among their neighbors. At this I felt my own heart begin to shake, and mistrust my condition to be not. For I saw that in all my thoughts about religion and salvation, the new birth did never enter my mind. Neither knew I the comfort of the word and promise, nor the deceitfulness and treachery of my own wicked heart. As for secret thoughts, I took no notice of them. Neither did I understand what Satan's temptations were, nor how they were to be withstood and resisted. Thus, therefore, when I heard and considered what they said, I left them and went about my employment again. But their talk and discourse went with me. Also my heart would tarry with them, for I was greatly affected with their words, both because by them I was convinced that I wanted the true tokens of a truly godly man, and also because by them I was convinced of that happy and blessed condition of him that was such a one. Therefore, I would often make it my business to be going again and again into the company of these poor people, for I could not stay away, and the more I went among them, the more I did question my condition. And as I still do remember, presently I found two things within me at which I did sometimes marvel especially considering what a blind, ignorant, sordid, and ungodly wretch but just before I was. The one was a very great softness and tenderness of the heart, which caused me to fall under the conviction of what by Scripture they asserted and the other was a great bending in my mind to a continual meditating on it, and all other good things which at any time I had heard or read of. By these things my mind was now so turned that it lay like a horse leech at the vein, still crying out, Give, give! My mind was so fixed on eternity and on the things about the kingdom of heaven, that is, so far as I knew, though as yet God knows I knew but little, that neither pleasures nor profits nor persuasions nor threats could loose it or make it let go its hold. And though I may speak it with shame, yet it is in very deed a certain truth. It would have then been as difficult for me to have taken my mind from heaven to earth as I have found it often since to get it again from earth to heaven. One thing I may not omit. There was a young man in our town to whom my heart 
before was knit more than to any other. But he being a most wicked creature for cursing and swearing and uncleanness, I now shook him off and forsook his company. About a quarter of a year after I had left him, I met him in a certain lane and asked him how he did. He, after his old swearing and mad way, answered he was well. But Harry, said I, why do you curse and swear thus? What will become of you if you die in this condition? He answered me in a great chafe. What would the devil do for company if it were not for such as I am? About this time I met with some ranters' books that were put forth by some of our countrymen, which books were also highly in esteem by several old professors. Some of these I read, but was not able to make any judgment about them. Wherefore, as I read in them, and I thought upon them, seeing myself unable to judge, I would partake myself to a hearty prayer in this manner. O Lord, I am a fool in not able to know the truth from error. Lord, leave me not to my own blindness, either to approve of or condemn this doctrine. If it be of God, let me not despise it. If it be of the devil, let me not embrace it. Lord, I lay my soul in this matter only at thy feet. Let me not be deceived. I humbly beseech thee. I had one religious companion all this while, and that was the poor man I spoke of before. But about this time, he also turned a most devilish ranter and gave himself up to all manner of filthiness, especially uncleanness. He would also deny that there was a God, angel, or spirit, and would laugh at all exhortations to sobriety. When I labored to rebuke his wickedness, he would laugh the more, and pretend that he had gone through all religion, and could never hit upon the right till now. He told me also, that in a little time I should see all professors turn to the ways of the ranters. Wherefore, abdominating these cursed principles, I left his company forthwith and became to him as a great stranger, as I had been before a familiar. Neither was this man only a temptation to me, of my calling lying in the country, I happened to come into several people's company who, though strict in religion formerly, yet were also drawn away by these ranters. These would also talk with me of their ways and condemn me as legal and dark, 
pretending that they only had attained to perfection, that they could do what they would and not sin. Oh, these temptations were suitable to my flesh. I being but a young man in my nature in his prime, but God, who had, as I hoped, designed me for better things, kept me in the fear of his name and did not suffer me to accept such cursed principles. And blessed be God, who put it into my heart to cry to him to be kept and directed, still distrusting mine own wisdom. For I have since seen even the effects of that prayer in his preserving me, not only from ranting errors, but from those also that have sprung up since. The Bible was precious to me in those days. And now, methought, I began to look into the Bible with new eyes and read as I never did before. And especially the epistles of the Apostle Paul were sweet and pleasant to me. And indeed, then I was never out of the Bible, either by reading or meditation still crying out to God that I might know the truth and the way to heaven and glory. And as I went on and read, I hit upon that passage. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, etc. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 8 and 9. And though I have since seen that by this scripture the Holy Ghost intends in special things extraordinary, yet on me it did then fasten with conviction that I did want things ordinary, even that understanding and wisdom that other Christians had. On this word I'm used and could not tell what to do. Especially this word faith put me to it, for I could not help it, but sometimes must question whether I had any faith or no. But I was loath to conclude I had no faith, for if I do so, thought I, then I shall count myself a very castaway indeed. No, said I with myself, though I am convinced that I am an ignorant sot, and that I want those blessed gifts of knowledge and understanding that other people have, yet at a venture I will conclude I am not altogether faithless, though I know not what faith is. For it was shown to me, and that too, as I have since seen by Satan, that those who conclude themselves in a faithless state have neither rest nor quiet in their souls. And I was loath to fall quite into despair. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, 
containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.